Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to two passages, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then also um, Romans chapter 12 if you're using um, the you know, a paper Bible. If you're uh, actually using your phone or uh, some kind of device, you can launch the Bible app and all of the notes from today's sermon will come right up there. Or you can go to calvary.online, click today's message, and then you'll be able to add any of your own notes uh, into this message. Now, today we're going to begin a series entitled this, We Are the Body. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the body of Christ. All right, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I gave you an extra hour to sleep, okay? We put coffee in the lobby. I think you can do that with a little more energy. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you are the body of Christ. Like, yeah, okay, maybe after the sermon, you'll be a little more excited about that statement. Um, now, there's, a, there's something that God's been saying to us here at Calvary, which we saw a brief glimpse of on Friday night when 3,000 of our friends showed up. And that statement is this, God is moving us as a church. He is moving us from being an observational church to an influential kingdom. And, and when God begins to elevate you and God begins to use your life in a powerful way, you realize that I am not simply here to sit in a pew and to fill notebooks full of notes, okay? I am here to be an influence for the kingdom of God. I am here to, to use this time on this planet for his glory and for his kingdom. I'm called to make a difference. Now, in this series where we're speaking about being the body of Christ, I'm going to give you some statements uh, in the very beginning here. I want you to kind of chew on these statements. I'm going to give you some, uh, some points a little bit later, but I want you to, to, to grab hold of these thoughts and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of percolate in your heart. Use these as a platform of saying, God, would you show me who I am in you? You see, as the body of Christ, write this down, we are the redemptive expression of Jesus' ministry in the earth. We are the redemptive expression of Jesus' ministry in the earth. You say, what does that mean? Well, the word redemption means to buy back. It means to go and to purchase. The picture, biblically, is this, that all of humanity was chained in a slave market. And Jesus comes with the bankroll of heaven and says, I want to buy back every slave, everyone who has been bound in sin. He says, I want to buy them back. That is to say, you no longer have to be chained to a life of sin, rebellion. Why? Because he buys us back. And we in the body of Christ are the expression of Jesus's redemptive ministry. Now, let me give you uh, maybe a couple of ways to think about that. When you find someone who has been redeemed, if you want to find someone who has been redeemed by Jesus, find the body. 
Let me show you what I mean. We were singing it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you have been bought back from the slave market of sin and Jesus has changed your life, let me see you. Let me see you wave your hand at me. If Jesus has changed your life, come on, let the redeemed say so. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Come on, I'm going to start passing out white hankies, okay? Come on, I need some shouting up in here. I'm a little bit excited about what I've got to say. I'll get there in a moment. Listen, when you want to find someone who has been freed from a life of sin, go find the body of Christ. And they should be saying so. But let me say it to the the others. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Christ. Let me also say, if you are looking for answers, if you are looking for how do I deal with these this, this weightiness that seems to be on me. This, I, I, can't, I can't deal with the weightiness of the decisions that I've made that have affected other people, that have hurt other people. I know I have done things wrong in the sight of God, and I don't know what to do with that. Listen, if you are a person who wants to be led into that moment where Jesus changes everything, find the body. You find someone who has And when you find them, they're going to point you to him, and then you too will become part of the body of Christ. When you what? You repent and believe. You turn from that old life, and you turn to God's perfect gift of his son that he came and gave his life on the cross. He died and was buried for three days, but on the third day rose from the dead. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, you will be born again. And if you want to experience that, find someone who has already experienced it. They'll share it with you, and they'll lead you to the feet of Jesus. Now, today, I, I want to give you uh, uh, just a few thoughts about being, what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 12. Let's read it together. We'll read down through verse 14, and then we'll make some statements uh, today that are going to really help us in a moment where there is so much division. This is why I believe God is giving me this message in this hour, is to deal with the division that is actually trying to creep in to the church. And I believe God is going to stop it. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, have, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now, here we have some truths about the body of Christ that we're going to, we're going to unpack together. And let me just, uh, uh, just, just hang on. Uh, Okay. I'm going to make some statements. You got to, you got to hear them all. Okay. So here we are in a moment where there's much division. And here he says, The body is one, but many. So let's make some statements about the body of Christ. Here it is. The body is unique, but the same. 
The body is unique, but the same, that we are one. It says this, for the body is one and has many members, but all the members of, that, of the one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Notice this, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink of one spirit. Notice what Galatians 3.27 says when it speaks of how one we are. For as many, uh, uh, many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know about you, but you know, when you, when you come from a, a, a shared kind of family history, you know, you, you can be, oh man, I'm Irish. I'm Italian. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm African or I'm, you know, uh, or I'm, I'm Israeli. I, I've got all of these different divisions that I'm hanging on to. And actually, right now in our culture, it's actually popular to divide and divide and to divide and put people into these smaller groups. But I am here to declare to you today that when you gave your life to Christ, those things became ancillary and Jesus becomes primary in your identification. Jesus becomes your primary. I don't care if you survive the potato famine as an Irishman. What I care is did you survive the God famine? Do you know the God famine that is happening in the hearts of all humanity? Has nothing to do with your country, your background, your skin color. Listen, if you are, you feel like culture is trying to drag you to get this box for power and this box for power, and we need to make some noise because I'm in this box. Get out of those boxes. <laughs> Jesus came to break those boxes. Oh, listen to me. Listen. It says this, listen, there is neither slave nor free. That's a powerful statement. That there's nothing in Christ any different between those who at that time were enslaved or free. They were one. You know, we sing it at Christmas time, you know, for the slave is our brother. We've forgotten that Christ came to break the box. And listen, even male and female, you need to listen to me, male and female. God made us one. He made us one. Get out of the box. And listen, how did he do it? We were baptized into the body. I love that it's baptism Sunday. Because this is, this is how the boxes got broken. The Holy Spirit immersed us into the body of Christ. There are three baptisms, really. The Holy Spirit comes along, and he's drawing you. You don't know who he is when he's doing this. 
he's, there's like a longing in your heart to really know God. And he's working on you and he's drawing you. And he's saying, hey, whatever you do, I know you're on your way to Lowe's. <laughs> but you know that church sign you've been driving by that says Calvary Church? And it just has their website on it. Why don't you turn right there and just go and drive in? And he starts to speak to you. And you just all of a sudden, you're drinking coffee one day. And you're like, you know what? Honey, I think we should go to church. You know, and then your wife hits the floor. <laughs> See, it's the Holy Spirit starting to draw you. Starting to draw. You don't know it's him. And then when you hear the message of the good news that Jesus came to forgive all of your sins, not to condemn you by, because anyone without God is already condemned. He comes to rescue. He comes to save. He comes to forgive. And then when you say, I repent and I turn to you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit says, now I am baptizing you in this body. And the Holy Spirit introduces us to Jesus. And then Jesus says, hey, I need to introduce you to my friend. This is, this is true. In all four Gospels, it says this. There is one coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Oh, it's so good. I don't have time to go. I have a message on it I did a little while ago. Jesus then baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. It's so good. And then there's another baptism. Those who have been redeemed baptize in water those who have experienced salvation for the first time. And they say, I'm going to be a part of this body publicly. That's the baptisms. That's what he does. That's, that's why we do it. There's, these are these baptisms. And when the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, you have been made one with many other people of many different backgrounds. My prayer for this church is that it looks like heaven. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation confessing, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. I got to tell you, if you read these scriptures, this should crush racism in the church. Racism has been a settled issue in the church for thousands of years because that's how long we've had the scripture. Because Jesus says we're all one. And if you still have shreds of that hatred in your heart, repent. Because you are one with your brother and sister of every color, every tongue, every nation. You're one. So when we're in the body of Christ, we are, we are unique but the same. Second point. The body is the same but unique. You say, uh-oh. Did you just contradict yourself? No. We have to go a little bit further. The body of Christ is the same, one, but unique. Romans 12, 4 says this. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Look, look at this. All the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. We're one in Christ and individually members of one another. This word function, you should write this down. It means this. 
It is your God-given assignment to the body. Listen, to the body of Christ. You and I have a God-given assignment to the body of Christ. Did you know you've got something to do for the body of Christ? All right, I'm going to check on this side over here because this side doesn't know. Do you know you have an assignment for the body of Christ? Do you know God has given you something to do? You have something to give. It's your function. We don't have the same function, but you have a God-given assignment in the body. Romans 12, verse 6, as we continue to read there, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Look at your neighbor and say, use your gifts. Oh, some of y'all said that very forcefully. (laughs) Use your gifts. It says, let us use them. If prophecy, if that's your gift, let us prophesy in proportion with our faith or ministry, which is service. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Each one of us have gifts and gifts are divine enablements. Listen, they are divine enablements by grace for use. I want to say that again. Your gifts are divine enablements by grace for use. Let me say it to you another way. We must use our gifts because of grace. We must use our gifts because of God's undeserved favor. Because when we were not looking for him, he came looking for us. And he came when we were in the worst place. He came and lifted us by his love and paid the price for our sin. And then says, I have actually put things in you that when you receive grace, you can use. Listen, God did not save you to sit in church. On the sidelines and think to myself, I did my duty and sat on the front row and let Pastor Otta spit all over me. (laughs) These guys down here know the drill. No, no, no. Our duty is not to come and just to sit and, 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 and to simply receive. No, when you get grace on your life, you realize I'm one with the body, but I've got some unique things that grace woke up in me. I've got a function that needs to flow out of me that has to be used. It has to be used. Now, here at Calvary, you may be that person that's like, I have no idea what my gifts are. I have no idea. Well, there's good news. Every week during this service, there's something called foundations going on. And if you will go over to foundations and complete those eight weeks, you will go on a journey of discovery. Matter of fact, one of the lessons is all given 
to help you discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you, the personality that God has given you, and the passion that God has given you, and you begin to aim those three things at the people God has called you to. When you do that, you're all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this is really who I am. Please go on the journey of discovery. Go to foundations. Discover that your destiny is in your design. God told Jeremiah, before you came out of your mother's womb, I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. That means his destiny was on him in the womb. And you have a destiny and a gift on your life because of God's grace that you will be enabled to use but it's not the same if you guys ever go to the church to to another church just to visit because you love this one and everybody talks the same and dresses the same run because we're supposed to I've been to those places I'm like look at all them people they all dress alike they all talk alike all the men had the same haircuts I'm like ooh I'm creeping out of here. (laughs) Why? Because while we are one in the body, we have a unique expression of who God has created us to be. And while that place may seem alive, it's probably come under the influence of a great gift or perhaps a strong leader. And those underneath that kind of leadership will actually never flourish into the people that God has called them to be. Why? Because they're trying to press them into their mold rather than to lift them into God's mold. We're the body. And let me, uh, let me just say, if you know you're called here and you're not yet ministering your gift in the body, there's a meeting next week called Lunch where we can connect you. I promise you, it's on purpose. It really is. And can I just say, we could have never done what we did for this community without someone saying yes to being called to minister to people. And, and you know, I mean, for some of you, it was, you know, picking up a ping pong ball that's been thrown, you know, 500 times. You're like, oh, you missed again. Here's a piece of candy. I mean, I know that you're, you were thinking, wow, there are going to be fields in Africa. A million people are going to come to my meeting, and there you are with ping pong balls and a gumball container full of candy and a kid that's standing in front of you just wanting to have a good time with an opportunity to be loved on, which leads me to my next, uh, next thought really is this, is you should never diminish your calling in Christ. Never diminish your calling don't think to yourself, I'm not really called. If you're, you would never uh, stand on a stage and, and, and declare the word of God, or maybe perhaps you would never strum a guitar and sing like Pastor Luke or others, never diminish your calling. You have to stop doing that. You have to stop diminishing your call. Why? Because look at what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. 
just as he pleased. <laughs> Look at this. If they were all one member, it doesn't say who would the body be. It says where would it be? Where would it be? Listen, never diminish your calling because each one of you discovering how God has made you to minister to other people and those of us who have been gathered together in this place, as we stand together and do what the Lord has called us to do, there is a movement that begins to happen. We land in the place that God has designed us to. It is where would the body be? And now let me say it to you another way. Where will we be a year from now? If all of us say yes to being a genuine part of the body of Christ, of saying, yes, I'm going to be one. I'm going to break down every box, every barrier given to me by culture, and I'm going to come alive to the uniqueness of God's workmanship in my life by his grace and through his spirit. Where will we be a year from now? You say, I don't know, it's hard to fit some people in this second service. Well, we'll put them in first and third and we'll do whatever we have to do. Where will we be? And let me just ask you another question, which is sobering. Where will we be if we continue to do nothing? We must at this time do what the Lord has called us to do. By being who the Lord has called us to be. Let me give you a third statement and finish up with this. The body is united in Christ. The body is unique but the same. The body is the same but unique. And the body is united in Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Let me say it to you another way, and perhaps this will rest on your heart and intellect in a, in a, new, uh, in a new way. You are the body of Jesus. I say Christ sounds religious to some. When I say Jesus, it's personal. You are Jesus's body. You are his body. And I want you to understand today who you are connected to. Colossians 1 says this, he is the image, the express image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things consist and notice this he is the head of the body he's the head of the body the church <laughs> who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead 
that in all things he may have what? The preeminence. Do you know who you've been united to? You who have been saved. You who have been born again, who have been forgiven. You're united to the express image of God. The creator of all things. It says, by him all things consist. You may not understand what that means. It literally means this. By him all things are held together. Science actually tells us that atoms, when you break them down at the very, very smallest levels, there is a space between the particles. And the space that gets those smallest of particles to stay together is sound. You know why it's sound? Because in the beginning, God said. In the beginning, God said. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And light comes together. And the very thing that holds it all together is the sound of his voice. And you in the church are united to him. You're united to him. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm fascinated that I'm united to the God-man who still has flesh. By the way, he still has a body. He's got holes in his hands and feet. Probably still bears the scar in his side. Right now, he's at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. Forever, the scripture says, making intercession. He's praying for you. He's praying for you, interceding for you. And, and here, me, on this earth, Inverness, Citrus County, Florida, I'm united with him. I'm united with him, this one who's glorious and perfect, full of power, life, and redemption. I'm united with him. The body is united to him. He's the head of the body. Let me give you something practical that will help you as we're finishing up. He is the one through whom all right thoughts proceed. Why? Because he's the head. All right thoughts proceed from the head. Anybody ever make a dumb decision? <laughs> Anybody wish you had prayed before that dumb decision? Come on. As the grand poobah of dumb decisions, I can testify. But all right decisions flow from the head. And you as the body can actually live making decisions with thoughts that come from the Lord. Did you know you can know what he's thinking? You can know what he's thinking. This word tells you what he's thinking. Matter of fact, let me say it to you another way. 
What a waste of time to think thoughts about yourself that God isn't thinking. You know, a lot of people in the church, they, we do that. We think thoughts about ourselves that God isn't thinking and therefore as a body become paralyzed because we think he doesn't love us, isn't keeping us, isn't empowering us, isn't with us. And, w- and when we feel alone and orphaned, we do nothing but try to survive. But when you know he calls you son, when you know that I'm his daughter and that he never leaves me, he never forsakes me, and he sends his spirit to me, and I know that if I ask anything according to his will, he will do it. I know the thoughts he thinks towards me are good and for hope and for a future. I know these thoughts. Listen, if you'll stop thinking the thoughts that God's not thinking you'll start doing what God is doing. All right decisions come from the head, including ones this Tuesday, which says you should have asked him how to vote. I know everybody in Citrus County, y'all, almost everybody's already voted. I know. Some of y'all will wait like me because you like excitement. You just hope for something to happen. Oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to be in the action. You do realize that all right decisions come from the Lord. All right thinking comes from Him. He's the one that sets the standard. And let me just tell you, before I'm an American, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian who believes that God will use America as a bright shining lampstand if we will continue to lift high the precepts from this word and we allow him to form our decisions beyond our feelings. Which leads me to my next statement. He is the one through whom all right emotions proceed. He's the head. All right emotions proceed through him. And so when you feel like these emotions come up of depression and fear and anxiety and the things that are meant to paralyze that the enemy sows into our life, the emotions of hatred, of envy, of jealousy, these things show up in your life. It's time to resist and repent. Why? Because those emotions are not coming from, they may be coming from your head, but not the head. You say, well, what are the emotions that come from the head? Well, it's in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Ooh, here's a good one. Self-control. By the way, when you get born again... A throne gets moved. That's what self-control is really all about. When, you, when you're not saved, self-control comes from the mind. But in Galatians 5, it declares self-control. It comes from a new seat of government of the spirit. Not the mind, the spirit. So you have to move a throne. That's right emotion. And it comes from the head. Let me finish by saying this. 
Jesus is Lord of the church. Or maybe I should ask you, is he Lord of the church? I mean, is he? I mean, is he the head? Is he the one through whom all decision, emotion, thoughts come for you? Is he because he is the Lord of the church? And finally, when he is Lord, we will be one. And the gates of hell will not prevail against a church that is unified 